Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'alif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillahi nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'aghfiruhu wa nasta'adhiuhu ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا فمن يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ثم ما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وعليكم uh in such a a noble pursuit you know studying that knowledge that is always relevant to us you know uh imam malik radiyallahu an was once questioned concerning the best thing to study what's the best thing to learn and he responded the best thing to study is the knowledge that gets you from one end of the day to the other that all of the kind of meretricious details of knowledge this and that all of those things have their place but studying that which is essential that which is the core of your relationship with Allah is certainly much more important so mashallah we have classes that are dedicated to learning the arabic language we have classes that are dedicated to learning the sharia learning the halal and the haram we have classes that are you know dedicated to uh you know learning how to recite the quran all of those things are important but when you talk about a session or class particularly dedicated to helping us to change our hearts to change our states and to put all of those other things into practice sincerely this is what we're attempting to do uh here so mashallah uh, we did this class once before and uh i feel like i've exhausted all of my stories all of my references and when uh ali dia uh, the executive director of tatleef asked me to do it again i told him i would only do it a second time on you know under one condition that each week i could converse with a different person bringing different perspectives different experiences different ideas uh into the room and i would be interested in the synergy that came out of my conversation with another person mashallah i've had the um uh, the privilege of conversing with some amazing people uh this is the first family member of somebody that I had a chance to talk with Jamali's father Imam Ibrahim was on with us about 3 weeks ago and we had a really good conversation mashallah mashallah but today you know we have in the building Jamali Ibrahim mashallah um somebody that I feel honored to call a friend uh works right now uh in outreach at uh, the Inner City Muslim Action Network uh born into a a really honorable and reputable Muslim family and just brings a wealth of experience man how you feel man alhamdulillah has blessed to be here may Allah reward us for the best of our intention inshallah alhamdulillah um this is a a poem originally 
And Imam Maulu takes different topics, different subjects. And he will first diagnose these as diseases of the heart or illnesses of the heart. And then he will prescribe cures. The disease of the heart that we're looking at today is fantasizing, right? Fantasizing. And uh, when we say fantasizing, I think the mind automatically goes to something sexual or something physical or something, but he defines it much more broadly. He says, Bismillah rahman rahim the heart's engagement in matters that do not concern it is only forbidden when it pertains to the prohibited. So what I just, you know, when, 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 when we say fantasize, and we're talking about something we need to rid ourselves of. What are some of the first things that come to mind for you, man? I think it's natural. It's not, um, the the kind of carnal, or the, you know, the, the sexual uh, connotation or aspect of that definitely comes to mind. I mean, I, I try to keep a perspective that doesn't get like overwhelmed. So one of the things I mean by that is a lot of times people talk about their current situation or their time or the, the age that they're in as though no other time could compare to it. And mm. uh, Allahu that may be the case, but I'm sure that everybody probably felt similar to this. So, you know, there sure. wasn't, there weren't iPhones and billboards and thousands of channels and access to stuff, but I'm sure others dealt with this aspect, you know, of, of fantasizing the times before us, but, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a realistic part of it uh, in the age that we live in. The other thing that really stood out to me, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful one, and you'd probably be better to, to kind of tell me the origin of it. I don't know if it's a hadith, but the Prophet says, um, amongst the good of his, of his community, amongst his ummah, is that a person not trouble themselves with things that don't concern them. Mm -hmm. you know, I always mm -hmm. found that very freeing. Mm. You know, uh, and really a sign of like Iman or Taqwa because it's, it could become engulfing to really get, you know, the mind will take you places that you don't even necessarily find any benefit in going, uh, but you can go there. So I always, I always found that hadith uh, very beneficial and I, you know, I try to tell it to people and remind myself of it. But uh, that, that stood out to me in the chapter. You know? Alhamdulillah. You know, the hadith you're referring to um, is the hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said, From the beauty of a person's Islam is leaving things that don't concern them. Right? Not being someone who wants to know things about other people or being someone preoccupied with things that don't bring benefit to them, or uh, things that aren't relevant to one's time and place, mm. right? I remember um, asking my teacher about this uh, hadith of the Prophet and he said, this kind of fantasizing is like a person who has no interest in buying a car, right? They're not looking at Buying. They're not. They're not shopping for a car. They're not shopping for a home. They're not trying to get married, but they're on match 
right? They're looking at the, the car classifieds. They're on Redfin every day, just looking at prices. He said, this is malayani, something that does not concern you. Now, when you are interested in purchasing a home, if you're looking at those listings, of course. When you're interested in getting married, if you're looking at uh, those profiles, of course. If you're interested in buying a car and you're looking over those listings, of course. But if you don't have any interest, why are you looking? You know what I'm saying? And I find like some of us looking at things that are not our business, this has become just a pastime for us, right? In fact, I think to some degree, Instagram, not, 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 and I, and I don't mean this in an overly inclusive way. I don't mean this in a way that is too broad, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we really want to see what our, you know, uh, you know, favorite celebrities or people we're close to or associates, we want to see what they're up to, right? Other times though, I, I worry that through those media, maybe we're, we're, we're too engaged with things that we shouldn't be engaged with. Not I, mean, I mean, what do you think? You know, I can see that. Um, it's interesting, my, my younger brother, Ismail, I remember looking at his phone one time and uh, you know, you put like apps and folders and groups and stuff. And the, the, the name of the, the group that all his social media was in was two hours later. <laughs> because uh like you know they just engulf you you know i think uh i think about the double-edged sword nature of a lot of stuff you know like for me i don't really watch the news i have cable you know so a lot of times instagram i'm on, i'm actually at a, taking a break from it at the moment but uh like i remember when the rioting was happening in chicago mm -hmm. like for me to see what our people in our community was going through that was the best. It was like the most direct ground level, you know, that's, I don't know what the news is talking about or who they gonna show or how they gonna tell a story. But that, I think there is something to people being able to tell their own story, so to speak. Yeah, no, you know? and, and see, but where I would differentiate what you're saying from what he's saying, that was something that really concerned you. Right. I'm interested in the people. No. I want to see what people are doing, how they're responding, no. how they're protesting, how they're raising their voices in this moment. I'm interested in that. No. On the other hand, if I'm just perusing, just looking, you know, okay, looking at so-and-so's vacation, <laughs> looking at so-and-so's dinner, right? Looking at this person's car. I have to ask myself, what do I expect to result from that? SubhanAllah. No, that's interesting. You know, it, it'll occur to me sometimes, uh, Man, it's 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 stuff. Go, go, spit it out. This stuff is deep, go, man. You know, because you can see yourself <laughs> looking at something that you know you may like, and uh, starting to feel like like you behind because you don't mm. have it, you know. And then uh, may Allah save us from, you know, like hasid or evil eye or even hating, you know, whichever one that fall under more more suitably. But yeah, no, it's something to that. You know, uh, I think that that have to be part of the lessons or the takeaways or the wisdom in it is that ultimately it's going to be no benefit to found. And then even it may be some detriment to be found there, you know, because you then you're trying to keep up with what? 
You know, I oh. mean, and they, but you got the people that, you know, they might post the prayer rug. And, you know, it's a, man, it's a delicate balance because sometimes encouragement is good, but then other times it's like, if you focus on getting, you know I mean, the selfie, then are you really, you got some kusul and, and the worship that you got going on, you know? No, and then the thing too is that a lot of this stuff is so contrived, it's so curated. Mm. You don't even know if what you're looking at is real. Right. You know, I once came on a barbershop and I saw some guys taking a picture with my car. <laughs> no, real talk. Right. They were standing there, mate. He had, he had some money in his hand. He would lean on my car like this. I was like, hey, man, nice car. He was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> make it till you make it. Yeah, you know, I said, hey, man, that's a nice car. He said, thanks. I said, mm -hmm. he said, where did you get it? He said, it ain't mine. We just, you know, we just doing a little photo shoot. I said, it's actually mine. He said, subhanAllah. Well, he didn't say subhanAllah. He was like, oh, man. But you don't think, I said, hey, go ahead and finish it, man. Go ahead, go ahead and finish it. But the thing, the thing that was tripped out is that how many people might see that, become jealous right. of that person for something that the person doesn't even possess? You get it. Yeah. And, and, and the idea, and this is something I think is a major misnomer in the culture of the youth. You know, there's so much um, wrapped about saying about having haters. Like that becomes the definitive sign that you're doing something, you're right. that you have haters. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if you knew the harm the evil eye contained, you wouldn't want to court haters. Now, do your thing, seek refuge in Allah. You know, seek refuge in Allah, ask Allah to protect you, right? But don't court mm. the hate. Don't court the evil eye. Don't court jealousy. No. In some instances, it ends up being unavoidable, right? There was nothing that you could do, right? You ask Allah to protect you, right? The Prophet when he was putting on his clothes, he used to say, I seek refuge in the perfect words of God from the evil that he has created. You know, Amin Ya So in some instances, it's unavoidable. But like courting that, especially through artifice. Like, my haters are my motivators. Right, my haters are my motivators. <laughs> you know, and the thing, and I'm, and I'm not speaking uh, about this from a distance. You know, when I was a youth, well, I still am a youth, you know what I'm saying? Hold right. on, let me, let me correct that statement, <laughs> you know. But I remember that was something that I, um, I took great pride in, you know, uh, the idea that we were making everybody bad making everybody, we were frustrating everybody, right? We used to come in, we giving these guys brain damage, but they, you know, they, <laughs> they look at, they get mad because of, you know, our attire or our popularity or, but as I got older and I want to think I advanced a little bit, you know, um, you know, in my understanding of the teachings of our faith, I saw, man, that's not something you want to bring on yourself, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's interesting. I think uh, for whatever reason, 
just the term hating or being a hater is thrown around so loosely to the extent now where like if you, if something is not for you or mm -hmm. if it's not suitable like to your it. taste or you don't right. enjoy it or don't even necessarily understand the, the merit of it, <laughs> you a hater. You a hater. I mean, it was a Talib Kweli, he said, uh, Hater players. At, yeah, that's the thought of being called a hater. Imagine that. Wow. You know? Yeah. Just because I don't get it. I, yeah, it ain't yeah. for me. If I don't like it, I don't like it. It don't mean that I'm hating. I don't want bad for you, right? You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's, but, you know, the thing about that, I got, I got an alternate perspective on that. Hmm. I don't think most of us understand the responsibility of having a platform. Hmm. You see? If I'm sitting in my home and you ask me, what did you think about coming to America too? I didn't see it yet, don't spoil it. Oh, it's, it's, it's spoiled. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's it's it said too late. Huh? Oh, bro, oh man. You know, it, it, for them to do that to a classic is-, is All right, man, all right, but I'm just saying, <laughs> now look, we're sitting in a small group and we have a small viewership, nah. you know, the Ted Leaf programming, alhamdulillah. So even me articulating that, right? That's not the same thing as saying that to 100,000 followers, right? I probably would have a little more restraint thinking about maybe the artistic integrity of the people who worked on the project, the hard work of the crew, the staff, et cetera. Nah. And if, they, if someone asked me and I was cognizant of my platform, I probably would say, I mean, you'd have to check it out for yourself. Right. Something like that. Or, you know, you have to, I would, I would like observe that restraint. Mm -hmm. But speaking just to you one-to-one, -one, man to man, ah, oh, man, that, let me tell you about that movie. Right. And I don't think that many people have, have made that shift in their minds. They talk on their social media, like they're talking to, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, a neighbor, you know, a friend. You know, I, but I, I would wonder if, and I even wonder, I'm sure this is true to an extent, but uh, there's an intentional effort to be provocative, to increase mm -hmm. the people that's even paying attention to them, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing too. Um, you know, although we didn't intend this conversation just to talk about, you know, social media. Right. But it, 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 it creates an incentive to be provocative. No to do things that are attention grabbing, right? Because, you know, I mean, there's real financial benefit to, um, you know, you know, garnering attention and no. gaining a, a broad followership, you know, et cetera. It is. You know what I'm saying? So here, Imam Maulud is looking at it from the other side. The people who spend their time engaging in this viewership, right, watching this, talking about it, discussing it, right? You know, Imam Malik, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, he asked some of his students one time, he said, is there anybody worse than someone who gives up their akhirah, gives up their hereafter for the sake of the dunya, for the sake of the, the transitory temporal world? And the students, you know, thought the obvious answer was no. Right. So they said, no, there's nobody worse than that. But there is. He said, oh, there is somebody worse right. than that. Somebody who gives up their akhirah for someone else's dunya. He said, at least the person who gives up their <laughs> akhirah for their dunya, they enjoy their dunya. But you spend your time talking about their dunya. 
So you didn't get the enjoyment of dunya. And you didn't get the enjoyment of akhirah either. You just got the enjoyment of talking about it. You just got the enjoyment <laughs> of talking about it. And sometimes it, it, you know, when I was a kid, bro, my father, my father spent, you know, maybe the first five years of my life, my mother and my father were together. And then after that, they, they separated. But my father used to love watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous <laughs> with Robin Leach, Champagne Dreams. And, <laughs> and I, would, I would look at the intense longing in his face when he saw the lifestyles of the rich and famous. You know, one episode in particular, they were interviewing Greg Norman, the Australian uh, golfer, hmm. right? I, look, I remember this like it was yesterday. Hmm. I didn't know anything about golf. I didn't know that my father knew anything about golf. No. <laughs> it was a, my father said, oh man, this, they call him, they call him the great white shark, man. Look at his house, look at his cars, you know? And, 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 and so this is, I say all of that to say, this is not a new thing, mm -hmm. right? When we see Cribs or the joint with Nate Robinson, I just saw the joint he did right, with uh, the YouTube. Yeah. The YouTube joint. This is not a new thing. In fact, I think this is an ancient thing that people want to talk about people they assume to be materially better off than they are, right? And they often exaggerate. Yo, man, somebody told me he take a different private plane every day. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I heard that he's never worn the same pair of shoes twice in his life. Somebody told me he has a different chef that comes in and cooks for him every meal. It's never the same chef. And you have to ask, <laughs> hey, you're funny. I'm just real talk. So you have to ask yourself, what do people get from that? Why do we, I mean, and, and, and look, bro, bro, this is a space where we can be real. Right. I've done it recently. Somebody, look, now, somebody <laughs> called me, Kanye West is worth $6.6 .6 billion. <laughs> My response, damn, hmm. $6.6 .6 billion. Man, I need to start designing some sneakers, man. <laughs> For real, man. What, what do we, you know, what are we getting from that? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm asking introspectively, what are we getting from that? Why are we so concerned about that? <laughs> Even though the Prophet وسلم, said, when it comes to matters of this world, Look to people that have been given less than you. Yeah. It will make you appreciative of what you have. And it, when it comes to religious standing, knowledge, piety, always look to people that have been given more than you because it will make you strive for what they have. Yeah. And wallahi, it seems like we do the opposite. Mm -hmm. We figure we're making three salats, so the brother making one salat. Yeah, yeah, brother. Even though we in the red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made all four of my prayers today. <laughs> so everybody else I'm hanging out with. You know, man, these, man, my cousin, you know? <laughs> but when it comes to dunya, we look to people that lead what appears to be lifestyles of, you know, extreme rarefied privilege. And here Imam Maulud is telling us, it's not 
forbidden, mm. right? He didn't say he's going, it's not, it's not useful. Mm -hmm. It's not beneficial, but it's not haram, right? If you want to talk about, oh man, I heard that Beyonce gifted Jay-Z a private plane and I heard, he said, it's only forbidden when you fantasize about something that is forbidden, mm. right? Which is, you know, subhanAllah, man. You know, I've, I've seen some very practical implications of this particular ruling. You know, before I was a Muslim, mm -hmm. alhamdulillah, I never drank. You know, I was never, I was never a drinking man. And I never did drugs because my father was a drug addict. So I was very, you know, you couldn't get me when I was a teenager, you couldn't get me to take aspirin. If I had a headache, somebody said, take some aspirin. No, I don't do drugs, but you I don't. <laughs> you could give it, I don't, no, 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 no. Right, that's, that, that's growth for me that I'll actually take some aspirin, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but something that I really loved was gambling. Hmm. Oh man, I, I would come out my house, I could just smell the direction of a game of craps. Where, where, where are they shooting dice? Clickety clack. You know, man. And I would, I mean, I would walk up, I had all of my lines. I mean, I, you know, it was, it was crazy. I, man, you know, I used to say stuff that even now when I think about it, who, who brings a smile to my face. Like one of my, I had to shoot on my knees. I couldn't like crouch down. He said, why you gotta shoot on your knees? I gotta be in a humble position for God to bring this money to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you, you, know, I mean, you know, I'm talking about gambling. So, one day, my wife wanted to play, play a board game, Monopoly or something like that. <laughs> Real talk. Right. And she like, you know, it's, it's you know, your, your, your turn. I'm looking at the dice like, I don't even know if I want to pick those up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know I don't even know if I want to pick them up. You know, as soon as I get them in my hand, it's like, oh. And you start fantasizing about something forbidden. Hmm. That's how I'm actually, man. Hmm. Right, you if, you if you pick the dice up and you thinking, oh boy, man, this you know, man, man, my you know, my my you know, I'm, I'm, I'm they still clicky clacking, you know, so they still clicking and clacking. I still know what I'm doing. I still know what I'm doing, you know. And then you know, sure enough, hmm. I told my wife, you know, now if we were shooting, right, you know, <laughs> no, this how I would have came out, <laughs> you know, this how I would have came out. Then I would start six eight. Over here, then I probably nine five you. Then I could, you know. And she looking like, man, this was a whole, this was a whole thing. Maybe we shouldn't play Monopoly anymore. You know, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. And I was like, no. only sorry, where the dice is in a little bubble. Oh, yeah, yeah. That might be too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he says that kind of fantasizing no. is forbidden, right? Mm. That you shouldn't do, or you know. I've seen people, man, you know, alhamdulillah, like those little reeds, that ginger beer, mm -hmm. but it looks like beer bottles. No. Like it looks like a six pack of beer. And I, bro, I swear to you, bro, <laughs> I've been at the masjid or with brothers, conversation is, is, is flowing. And, and it's almost like the way he's holding the bottle and leaning on the car and- You turn that joint up. It turned it up and it, it, it it's almost like we've gone to another place here. Hmm. These are things we have to be careful about, man. Hmm. You know, we've gone to another place here. You know, you know, memories, you know, can be triggered in that way. Mm -hmm.
right? Fantasizing can be triggered in that way, right? You can, oh man, you know, then you start telling stories, you know, then you, you know, Imam Maulud is saying, this is something you want to be careful of, right? If you're fantasizing about something forbidden, that fantasizing is forbidden. So it's sinful. It's sinful, right? If you're fantasizing about something forbidden, right? And you and you'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised, man. I've 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 I've, I've talked to uh, brothers that you know in the course of telling stories, because you know for Muslims, staying up late is the equivalent of drinking together. <laughs> something something happens to the inhibitions when you stay up late. You stay up with a brother, you know, a couple hours before Fajr. You're digging deeper with stories. You're digging deeper. You know, there's, there's a kind of truth serum that just, you know, when I first met you, I, I didn't like you. <laughs> I didn't like you, man. <laughs> you, you know, it was almost like you thought you were somebody or something, man. Oh. You know, we all just saying, Salam Alaikum. You talking Salam Alaikum. Come on, man. We, <laughs> we know you speak Arabic. Like, you didn't have to do that, man. And I'm just, you know, I'm just like, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I was just trying to get a salam. Nah, right. you showing off. Right? <laughs> I was like, man, that's cold blood. But I guess, you know, a couple hours before that, it kicks in like that. Hmm. So brother one day, man, was talking about how exhilarating it used to be to rob banks. Hmm. He said, man, I used to rob banks. Huh? Oh, man. You know, something about you know, walking out of there with all that money that's not yours. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, twinkle in his eye. Oh, man. <laughs> at the time, I didn't know about this. Mm. But I would have known, okay, we, that's not, that's, that's haram. If you, if, if, if it's become, if it's becoming, uh, if it's an unfortunate memory, so, you know, I, you know, I did some things I'm not exactly proud of. Mm -hmm. But if it's like, oh, man. We used to be downtown at the club. Oh my God. Hmm. We had bottles. <laughs> we was in VIP. <laughs> we in there with the celebs, the stars, man. You know, remember that chick that used to uh, be the news cat, Tamron Hall, my man bumped her, man. It was, it was uh, it... stuck for a lot. Stuck for a lot. This is not good. This can actually have a deleterious effect on the heart. Yeah. So if you're fantasizing about something that doesn't concern you, but isn't forbidden, that's okay. But if you're fantasizing about something that is forbidden, that fantasizing is forbidden. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he continues, look at the examples he gives such as fantasizing about the beautiful qualities of a member of the opposite sex or dwelling on the faults of Muslims, even in their absence, hmm. right? So thinking, having, you know, sexual or erotic thoughts about someone that you are not married to, right. this is haram. This is, you know, this is something that we should not even entertain. And in a way, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a means of protecting the dignity and integrity of that person. You don't have any right to think of them in that way because they haven't given you permission to think about them in that way. 
Subhanallah. It's such a um, it's such a deepening of the idea of consent. No. Right. They have not consented to my thinking about them in that way through marriage. So it's haram for me to even think about them like that. That's respect. No. That's respect. And you know, we have um, you know, a culture of, you know, I mean, you know, if you got it, flaunt it. Um, you know, everybody, you know, men and women, this is not, this is not, I don't intend this. Uh, in a gendered way at all, making themselves objects to be uh, fantasized about, right? To be uh, possessed in that way. We have to be very intentional about avoiding some of these pitfalls that exist in our culture. It makes me think about a quote, and I believe... uh, it exists in, in one of the uh, curriculums that we deal with, or curricula that we deal with with participants. And whenever it comes up, uh, Rafiki likens it to, I think it's a hadith in some of the tradition, but it says, watch your thoughts, they become your speech. Watch your speech, it becomes your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, it becomes your character. And watch your character, it becomes your destiny. SubhanAllah, so that's deep. Your thoughts man. to the destiny. Yeah, no, it, you know, it's interesting that, you know, it, it, it begins with a thought. It begins with a thought. You know, um, if one is careful about what you allow to enter the heart, then by extension, of course, you're careful about what is manifest on the limbs, mm-hmm. right? What is manifest on the tongue, because you're careful about what you allow to enter the heart. See, what I find, because that discourse is, is lacking, we don't really have that. I, you know, I was talking with somebody earlier, and I said that the Prophet said, In the filjasadi mudra, in the body, there's a lump of flesh. In salahat, salahat al jasadu kullu. If it's sound, the entire person is sound. When in fasadat, fasadat al jasadu kullu. But if it's corrupt, the entire person is corrupt. If you don't have that, you will look at the social phenomena you see as just social phenomena. Whether you're looking at racism, sexism, for you it's just something that happens socially. Hmm. But we don't look what's in the heart of the individual that leads them to such odious behavior. Hmm. What's animating them? So when you see somebody uh, being concerned about the heart, um, of course, they're concerned about the tongue, they're concerned about the eyes, they're concerned about the limbs, they're concerned about where they go, who they associate with, because they're concerned about the heart. You know, if we guard the heart, we guard everything, man. And when you're talking about fantasizing, especially, you know, forbidden fantasizing, it's like you're guarding your heart. Mm. Maybe a thought occurs to you and it's inadvertent. You immediately, a'udhu billah. A'udhu billah. A'udhu billah. Right? But look at the other example he gives. Right? He starts with thinking about people of the, of the opposite gender or whatever. He moves to dwelling on the faults of Muslims. Mm-hmm. SubhanAllah. Like, 
it is of no benefit for me to think about how stingy somebody else is. Mm. Can you imagine that? I'm sitting in my room talking about, that's a stingy dude, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, his, I mean, his children probably don't even want to call him daddy. <laughs> that's, that's a stingy dude, man. Right. I mean, his kids call him, say, Emma. You know, you know, I mean? <laughs> I just get, you know, I just get, you know, that's, that, that's rough, man. But why are you thinking about that? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of our teachers used to tell us, if you read something in the Quran, or you hear something, you know, uh, mentioned by the Prophet and you think to yourself, I wonder if so-and-so knows this one. <laughs> That's a manifest sign of your misguidance. If you think, hmm, I mean, I should, I should put this in his inbox, you know. Here's a hadith about stinginess. Let me send this to growth. Here's, here's a hadith about humility. Yeah, let, let me send this to my wife, man, and see if she, you know, see if she's committed this one to memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Here's, you know, here's a hadith about selflessness, man. Let me, let me send this to the bro, man. <laughs> no. No. Everything you see, everything you read, everything you encounter, the first person you pass it by is yourself. No. Where am I in relation to this teaching? Where am I in relation to this principle? You know, but, no, go ahead, go ahead. You sound you're about to come in. You know, it, it, makes, it reminds me of uh, uh, something Sidi Osama used to say that for you to see uh, something in another person, it's because you're familiar with that thing because it's in you. It's in you. And it may not have manifested yet, but it's there, you would say, like fire is in flint. It's there. All you have to Just do is rub it, it against something and fire is coming out. It'll come out. You know, it, you know, certain sayings, um, I think they're so commonplace and they're so cliche. Mm -hmm. We really don't think about how profound they are. Mm -hmm. For instance, it takes one to know one. Mm -hmm. Right. This is something, you know. That uh, occurred to me sometimes, man, if I think. Yeah. Man, this, Oh yeah. I do think he got over one. I said, because hey, I would get over. <laughs> you know, I, you know I know what that looked like. It, right. it takes one, no one. You know, <laughs> you know, people who really don't have uh, a frame of reference mm. or don't have an analog for something they're seeing, they can't place it like that. They might feel like something here is off, but I don't really know what it is. No. But when you have that, uh, now this. This, this, this guy was being condescending to me. How do you know that? Because what? <laughs> Perhaps you have treated somebody with condescension in a similar manner? No. You know how you, know, you, know how you begin to uh, 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 use the same phrases in the same ways when you want to be condescending? Inshallah, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. No, no, inshallah. I, I, I see you've been getting your ilm thing on, alhamdulillah. Inshallah. <laughs> You know, you've been putting in uh, a lot of time on your Google joint. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Doing your talibul ilm. Mashallah, on your computer. Alhamdulillah. You know how you act no. when you want to be condescending. This is why you can recognize it. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, 
if we really, and this is, you know, Imam Ghazali states beautifully in his Ihya Ulum al-Din, if you're really concerned about the state of someone's, you know, spirituality or the state of their conduct, or you would pray for them. And you would do so in private, mm -hmm. not in a public, Allah make obey the law better, you know, you know, help our brother to correct his action. Everybody say I mean Al-Fatiha. <laughs> no, that's not, you know, that's not, that's 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 not, you know, even Ghazali said, Yani, if it's sincere, it will occur privately. Mm. Right? And maybe this is my attempt at an addition to something Ghazali wrote, maybe it will occur privately even before you attempt to admonish that brother. Even, even before you attempt to admonish that sister, that you would first try to change it with your heart. Hmm. That you would first say, you know what? Maybe the person, maybe the person doesn't know that this is, this is not good. May Allah give them clarity about that. And then afterward, if there is some intervention that can be made attempting that intervention. But sitting up, and he, I mean, subhanAllah, look at what he's calling us to. He's not even talking about, talking about the faults of other Muslims. He's saying what? Just obsessing over them. Just thinking about them no. is forbidden. Just thinking about how big a liar somebody is. Thinking about how much I dislike the imam who serves at that masjid. Just thinking about it. Mm. It's a waste of your time, man. No. You know, one of the things, uh, alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, you know, it's, it's been just part of what I guess Allah is showing me in perspective is, uh, that ability to kind of look inward, you know, um, because it's it's easy, you know. They say it's, it's easy outside looking in, like what somebody should do, you yeah. know. But I, you know, in in a lot of instances, I try to remind myself, like you got enough to figure out on your side, you yeah. know, to, to, before you go to trying to fix what this person need to be doing, how they can spend their time or money differently. You know, the Prophet said that a person who is so preoccupied with their own faults that they can barely see the faults of other people mm -hmm. is blessed, mm. right? Or another way of thinking about that is people that find it easy to make excuses for other people are blessed. You know, when I, you know, it's, it's almost like, bro, circumstances dictate situations. And sometimes it's easy to look at someone in their circumstance that you aren't in mm -hmm. and make a judgment. Oh man, dude is a clown, man. Look at, man, come on, man, look at this guy, you know. But if you were in a similar position, maybe you would be worse. No telling. There's no telling. That's why Imam Malud is saying, well, there's no benefit in even thinking about it, man. Maybe you would be worse, hmm. right? You don't know how you would be if you were 
you know, if, 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 if that person's situation was your situation, you don't know how you'd be. And so just, subhanAllah, man, you know, replace the time you spend obsessing over the faults of others, obsessing over your own faults. And we'll be okay. And we'll be okay. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So, you know, this is probably a good place to begin the Q&A, inshallah, if we have any questions. The chapter today was on fantasizing and just reviewing, you know, actually only two verses. Imam Malou said, the heart's engagement in matters that do not concern it is only forbidden when it pertains to the prohibited, such as fantasizing about the beautiful qualities of a member of the opposite sex, or dwelling on the faults of Muslims, even in their absence. Clearly this book is dated because it could be people of the same sex. SubhanAllah. You know, the, the other thing that, uh, that comes to mind is uh, you could be so preoccupied and fantasize about something that uh, you are not even appreciating what it is that Allah gave you. You know, Absolutely. one of my kind of uh, pet peeve or annoyance, whatever you call it, is just lying, you know, mm. or exaggerating. Because for me, what it kind of shows is you're not satisfied or you haven't accepted the way that it actually is. Mm. Whether you like it or agree with it or not, <laughs> like Allah put it this way, so yeah. you you lying about it or you you know acting like it's not true or trying to shift the truth, it doesn't change anything, mm. you know, and almost like you you yeah it's you know I, at my best I try to keep a lie at the center mm. and keep a lie as as the focal point uh, and that 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 ultimate point of reference, but yeah appreciate what actually is even if it's hard to appreciate and sometimes it is, but uh, it could always be worse. Sometimes it's frightening to appreciate. You know, man, one of, you know, something that um, Dr. Bilal Ware said, man, that always sticks with me, mm. is he said, you will notice on most, um, you know, within most um, books, uh, treatises, et cetera, about character, honesty and bravery. Mm -hmm are always related, mm. you see? And cowardice in lying mm. are always related because the person that lies is afraid of the truth, you see? The person that does not fear the truth has no reason to lie, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid of the truth. It is what it is. It is what it is. I can face the truth, so I don't need to lie. Amen. Now, I remember once I was, I was uh, at a car dealership <laughs> and I was asking about some of the details about a car. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, so the Muslim guy, we speak in Arabic. And oh, you, see, dang. Yeah. you really thought you was going to get a deal. Huh? Oh, of course. <laughs> Muslim guy, we speak in Arabic. And he said something to me. And I said, man, is that true? He looked at me and said, Anallah al-Khaf min al-Haq. Shaitan, you're He said, I'm not afraid of the truth. Hmm. Shaitan is afraid of the truth. I'll never forget that, man. He, you know, I don't know if he really was an honest guy or that was just, you know, <laughs> the way he popped back. 
But I said, man, is that, is that, is that really true? Yeah. He looked at me and said, I'm not afraid of the truth. But he intrinsically connected courage mm -hmm. with honesty. Yeah. I'm not afraid of what lie to you. I'm not afraid of the truth. And then he said, Shaitan is afraid of the truth. Hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm, saying? I'm not afraid of the truth. Why would I lie? No. You know, if I mean, if you're going to buy the car, you're going to buy it. If you're not, you're not. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I bought a car from him. You know, but that response, I, I remember I'll, I'll always remember that. I'm not Shaitan I'm not afraid of the truth. Shaitan's afraid of the truth. No. If it if it if it if it was a lemon or reported as a lemon, I would tell you. This is this is what it is. You want it or not? This is the best price I can give. What's up? No. You know, and so that that's you know, he was displaying great courage in that moment because he was displaying great honesty yeah. you know, in that moment. But mashallah, we're open. Uh, uh, we're open for questions, comments, ideas, rebuttals, challenges. You can direct all of your questions to Jamali Ibrahim. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions in the space um, before we go online? Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Um, you guys had like, you know, sort of mentioned uh, uh, you know, sort of earlier that seeing the faults in others is just about in a familiarity uh, sort of the faults within yourself. Um, uh, so, sort of two questions actually. So, so do you think that's related to sort of seeing faults in others to make yourself like feel sort of like better in terms of rooted in low like uh, self-esteem? And then uh, second like, uh, 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 question is like, it's these things have become such a habit sort of nowadays is to go straight to the faults or to see the like negatives and others. So what are some like practical like day-to-day -day things uh, sort of besides like vicar uh, that we can do to, to really like focus the uh, sort of like, uh, like attention in the faults within ourselves? Um, For me, uh, I think the first question you were saying, I guess the purpose or the root of seeing fault in another person related to it. You know, I, I, I'm able to appreciate it as uh, something that kind of reminds of humility. You know, I'm, I'm familiar with this concept and this idea. Uh, so it occurs to me a lot, you know, when I'm dealing with, uh, when I see like a fault or something of that nature, and I may not even have the same fault, but I'm able to, you know, I know me well enough to know, like I got my own struggles that I'm dealing with. Another person's struggle, I may not have the same one. Um, so to answer that question, I think for me, uh, it is, and you know, it's, it's, it serves a purpose as being something that reminds of humility. Uh, I think when it's not that, then, uh, 
I feel like it kind of like toes a, a tight line between like hypocrisy, you know what I'm saying? Because it's only so much. I mean, I, I think about, I don't know if it's a Hadith or a story about um, a man who he had his own faults and he didn't want to be a hypocrite. So he didn't go to correct his children or go to correct others. And he was told like, well, you have to speak up or else you're just going, you know, you're okay with it. But he didn't want to fall into hypocrisy of, of correcting mm -hmm. somebody or something when he had his own issues. Um, and I think the other, uh, what was the second part? I, I was, I was. Practical thinking, things you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, uh, a, a close friend of both of ours, uh, Ali Kanoya, he used to be a, a salesman. In a lot of ways, he is still a salesman. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was a tactic. You know, you know somebody's a good brother. If you say their name and it brings enjoyment. That's right. I think either yesterday or today was his birthday. I got to call him. Inshallah, Allah. bless him. Today but he, or yesterday? One of the two. Okay. Might have, I yeah. call him too. I always get no trouble. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. But he used to, he was a salesman. He said one of the things he learned was this whole idea of uh, build, break, build. Yes. So <laughs> if, you have, <laughs> if you have to bring something to someone that they may not want to hear, uh, lead with the positive. And then go into the area of correction and then leave off with a positive so that they're able to receive it. I think about the story of uh, Musa al Islam and Fir'aun um, and that all the atrocities that, that uh, you know, Fir'aun committed that Allah still told Musa al Islam to speak to him gently that he might be corrected. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think in that is it's a lot of wisdom, you know. It's interesting, I was, I was speaking with a colleague uh that i manage and it was it was some real like areas of improvement and kind of issues that i had to address and i made sure to to speak to a positive thing you know and he really appreciated that and you know the, the situation went well but uh when i look back at it I'm really glad that I, that I put the positive thing in there. Like he really appreciated that and was able to receive the message and it, you know, I'm like, it went smooth. Um, so that's it. I think use it as a point of humility. Remind um, yourself that one, you don't have all the answers. Two, you got your own struggles, you know? And uh, something my father used to always tell us is that nobody can tell you what's best for you, you know? Uh, they may be able to add their perspective or get their advice, but ultimately you are the one that has to be an expert in your life. You know? you know, I think that every time you say declaratively to somebody, you are a, you're also saying, I'm not. Hmm. You know, when I say, man, you are a, I'm also saying, I'm not a, man, you're so shallow. I guess that means I'm deep. Hmm. I mean, you. <laughs> you I think very deeply. I think very deeply. What you know about that? But uh, <laughs> you know, but but uh, you know, if if I say you're such a liar, I guess that means I'm truthful, right? And and so sometimes one of the things that helps me to refrain from you know making those kinds of judgments and accusations is. I don't want to engage in that kind of self-congratulation. What am I saying about, who am I? What am I saying about myself? If I say, you're this, am I saying that what? I have no traces of that quality in me? 
And if I do have traces of that quality in me, and I most certainly do, right? I would hope that people would what? Be gentle with me, offer me correction in a way that, you know, they at least aimed at my receptivity. They were hoping that they weren't trying to put me down, but rather lift me up. Right. So I try to I try to, you know, think about that. And then it was about the message, not just you feeling good that you that you told them. Right. Right. You know, sometimes if you really want them to receive it, mm -hmm. put some energy into that part. Exactly. You, you know, it's kind of like, it, right? you know, it's like, you know, thinking, you know, it's like call to the way of your Lord with wisdom. Right. And good exhortation, good preaching. Right. So that wisdom is, you know, thinking about the right time, thinking about the right context, thinking about the right words, something like, you know, like Koali said, bill break bill, you know, thinking, how can I express this to you in a way that you know there's no judgment? Right. This is only something I intend because I want to see you be the best version of you that you can be. That's it. And perhaps the most important thing is after you've given them the see how after you've given the advice, just let it go. Don't sit like some of us, we sit and it's clear we're waiting to see if they're going to say thank you or you've changed my life or it's like I just told you something about Islam. <laughs> Aren't you going to say I'm a great guy or thanks Ubaid or something like that? Or, <laughs> you know, just give the advice and just let it go. Just let it go. I find that people are humbled by that. Like, man, he really, this, this was really in my interest. This was not about conquest. You yeah. know, like, one of the things, and this is like getting like personal, you know, one of the things that I, I know I need to work on is I'm an argumentative person. I like to argue. It's the way that I learn. Hmm. And I don't mean I like to argue violently or aggressively. I like a good spirited debate. I love, you know, that, that Socratic process of, you know, you give the best of what you have, I'll give the best of what I have. What I have is definitely better, you know, don't worry about that. But <laughs> you give the best of what you have out and the truth will come out in the course of that, that, that exchange, yeah. right? Um, something that's very hard for me is that when I get into that mode, it's really just about like staving off conquest. Like, I just don't want to let you win. And then I start exaggerating. I start, I, you know, I start saying things now just to make a point. No. Because at some point it, it, it's, it ceased to be a conversation and it started to be kind of a, a competition. Me versus you. Me versus you, not, you know, both of us trying to get to, to what's true. No. You know, Imam Shafi'i, and this is, this is a deep statement. I've shared this statement with non-Muslims and they say, oh, that's deep. He said, I've never disputed with anybody except that my prayer was that the truth would be made manifest on their tongue and I would have the honor of submitting to it. Hmm. But I'm hoping that that person says the truth and I can say, no, you're right. That's what I want to happen. Now, there's not a report of Shafi losing many arguments, but <laughs> we'll, we'll trust that that was his hope. <laughs> that was, you know, it's like, um, you know, Imam Suyuti, you know, one of my favorite, you know, uh, 
personalities in, in classical Islam, you know, he was a fighter for intellectual independence and freedom. Mm. So he would say that this whole idea about the imams of the past, I am in complete, you know, decision-making, unrestrained, unrestricted scholar of the law, just like Imam Shafi. There's no difference between his scholarship and mine. Mm. People said, but you follow all the Shafi's positions. He said, no, no, it's just that I really believe that everything he said was right. You just happened to get it right. I was, that's why I would have took it. I was going there too. I actually just believed that everything he said was right. You know what I'm saying? But 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 I'm completely independent in my in my thinking. You know what I'm saying? MashaAllah. Gotta show some Shafi some love, you know what I'm saying? Bismillah. So this is high salam. Is the concept of manifesting an affirmation is that a type of fantasizing? Like it hasn't happened yet, but you keep oh, affirming. Subhanallah. If it's dua, if you're making dua, that's good. You know, if you know, whenever people ask about this this practice of affirmation, and it's and I've I've received a lot of questions about it. What you know, I'm always uh, I always find myself asking follow-up questions. So if it's like making dua with certainty, then this is this is this is the only way you're supposed to make dua. Right? Um, you know, it's it's actually mentioned in the etiquettes of praying to Allah that you pray with certainty. You don't say, like, you know, Allah bless me to get married if you, you know, if you want to. You know, I mean. Save me and free, you know. But you can say like if there's good in it. If it's right. good in it, but not but not like if you, you if, right, not like if you can do it. Yeah. You know, a lot if you can <clears throat> if you can save my life, I mean <laughs> save it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that you know, now you make do out with certainty, right? And kidney, save me. Right? Even the way, I mean, this is kind of a um a subtlety of the Arabic language that's, that when I first learned this, I was like, oh, that's really cool. The fi'l amr, right? The command form of a verb can be used with many different kinds of people. But depending on how you relate to the person you command, this is how, this is how the statement is understood. So if, you're, if you use a command form of a verb and you're talking to someone that is your subordinate, Mm -hmm. It's a command. Like if you say to one of your children, get in the house. It's here in the bay, get in the house. It's understood to be a command. If you say it to someone who's considered to be your equal, you use a command form, it's considered to be a request. So if I say to someone who is my equal, so if I say to my wife, get in the house, it's like, get in the house, but it's, it's, a, it's a... If you say it to someone who is your superior, it's an appeal, it's iltimas, it's mm. dua. But you're still using the command form, mm. but it's an appeal. Help me, help me. It's a command, no. help me. But there, so when we make dua to Allah, we use the command form. Mm. Help me, bless me, aid me, support me, right? But it's understood that we're talking to Allah. So we're not commanding Allah like we would command one of our children. We're commanding Allah, we're requesting from Allah, but we're still using the fil amr. We're still using the, the command form of the verb. So if by affirmation, the person means 
Like, um, I'm, I'm mentioning this like it has happened because I believe with certainty, if there's good in it, it will happen, mm. right? That's what we do in istikhara, right? All of these commands in Arabic. Decree it for me. Make it easy for me. Bless me with it. But if it's is bad for me in my deen, in my livelihood, and the way my life ends, take it away from me. Take me away from it. All of this is a kind of affirmation, right? You, you're very, you're, look, but if they mean kind of this idea of fantasy being, you know, let's just go. We have no real plan to purchase a house. This is, I've seen people do this in the name of affirmation. But let's just go to the open house. Ask questions, take a, take a brochure, pretend as though we're prospect buyers, right? You know. And ask really probing questions. So how many, <laughs> how many square feet exactly? Um, so when did you replace these appliances? Oh, wow, you're really interested in buying this house. No, no. Just affirming that one day I will have a house. That could Get out. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Get out of here. That, that could be what he's talking about as kind of a, you know, uh, a negative, not forbidden though, because buying a house is not forbidden, mm. but a negative kind of fantasizing. You're not, you're not currently shopping for a house, right? But this is what I've seen many people do in the name of affirming. Go to the dealership, sit in the car, ask questions. You know, are you planning to buy a car? No, 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 just, just some affirmation that one day I will own one of those. Right? It's not, not haram. It's not haram. But Imam Maulub might might suggest that this is this is uh, this is uh, not the wisest use of your time. Right? Does anyone have any questions in the space? It's like me walking past the White House, saying, "You know, one day I'll occupy the Oval." Are you are you <laughs> preparing for a, a career in public life? No, no, not really. So why? Are you Beautiful nuggets and uh, wonderful takeaways. Um, you know, the question has come up quite often about this notion of thoughts, right? Like you mentioned, you know, are thoughts forbidden and is there sin in thoughts? And the understanding that I've had is that, uh, you know, our, our, our reckoning or accountability is around what we say and what we do. There's a hadith that I don't want to mistake it or be inaccurate, but the Prophet uh, you know, alluded and spoke to the notion that uh, when my ummah has thoughts, Allah will forgive them as long as they don't say it, it come, doesn't mm -hmm. come to their tongue, mm -hmm. and as long as they don't act upon it, right? Mm -hmm. And so because in this sea of just journeying through the dunya, shaitan will jump on your brain and your thoughts constantly. You're looking for that rope to make sure, to your point, brother, where you want to make sure those thoughts don't become words and they don't become actions. Mm -hmm. um, but within the, the spirit of the mercy of God, in terms of understanding that, look, thoughts will come and go, and some of them might not all be good. Uh, from that perspective, um, you know, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that in terms of insight? I want to hear the answer. <laughs> Here, uh, there's some linguistic subtlety. Something haram is we mean something for which the doer will be punished if they don't repent. Something forbidden, he means memnuah, 
like something you don't want to do, something you shouldn't do. But if you have a thought, you don't act on it. You know, you won't be punished for that. It's not like, it's not something for which you will be held accountable. But he's saying, something it's forbidden. Like you shouldn't do it. Like this is something you have no business thinking about that woman in that way, right? Because it will lead you perhaps to inappropriate action. You have no business thinking of that man in that way. You have no business thinking of the faults of that person in that way, because this will lead you to backbiting. So I think he intends it in a kind of what they call like blocking the pretext. Like if you're thinking about this, the thought itself might not be haram, but the thought might lead to an action that is haram. So the thought becomes forbidden. Don't even think about it. Because if you think about it, you're acting. But it's not haram, like something for which you will be punished, hmm. right? Talking about fantasizing. Fantasizing, right? It's not something for which you will be punished, but it's something that you know you should regard as like, don't do it, like, don't do that. See what I'm saying? Bismillah. Fantasizing seems related to the importance of relationships and how will they help us appreciate our current circumstances or cause us to want to avoid those relationships? What, excuse me, what Amir, advice would you Amir, have? Can you pull the mic away? Because it's kind of hard for me to hear. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll be so close. Sorry. Fantasizing seems related to the importance of relationships and how will they help us appreciate our current circumstances or causes us uh, to want to avoid those relationships. What advice would you have for someone who is struggling with finding joy with some toxic people and find themselves interested slash fantasizing about other circumstances? Is this wrong? What you think? Advice that you would give to a person that is dealing with toxic people? Mm -hmm. And what was the other part? Um, and find themselves interested slash fantasizing about other circumstances. Um, subhanAllah. I mean, just listen to the second part, the things that comes to mind is if it's, if it's nothing sinful, right, that you're fantasizing about, then it may not be uh, um, blameworthy or negative. I think for me, and at this point, was inshallah, this can find some kind of benefit for the, for the asker. Uh, but it was it was a point I was considering earlier when you were talking, um, just the importance of communal life, uh, because you know I feel like it's part of the trick of this society to just have everybody individualistic and thinking. You know the whole idea that you you get it on your own and you know pull your bootstraps up and all that stuff. But that's not the reality. Like people who are uh, really quote unquote successful, it doesn't happen on their own, you know? So I feel like it's like a, it's like a myth that they sell to marginalized peoples who they really don't want to have success. Like you keep trying to do it this way. Like that's not how it happened for any of us. And we know it ain't gonna happen. Like oh, it's very slim to happen like that for you. So I think for me, um, in regards to you know dealing with toxic people, uh, 
think you have, you know, you have a good intention, but if you have to find different people to be around, I think that's, you know, that's, that's serious just because it, it does rub off and it has an effect. You know, the whole thing about uh, aspiring to people that have, uh, uh, or maybe, you know, more knowledge of the Dean or maybe uh, seemingly closer to Allah when you look at your, your religious uh, condition, the benefit in that is like, you have to be connected to people. You know, it's like the, the standard that's held out of people close to you is what you kind of accept and, and look up to. And if that's a, a particularly low standard, then you succumb to that and uh, you just start falling off. You may not recognize it. Um, so I don't know, I, I hope uh, that, you know, Allah bless the, the, the person asking the question and, and give them some clarity. But I think for me, what comes to mind is just the importance of uh, having real relationships, having real community, not being isolated. And, and you know, having the, the gumption uh, or the courage to really look at relationships and the role that they play and how they affect you uh, and not what you think it is, but what it actually is, you mm, know? Um, yeah, I mean, because you the, the people that's, that's next to you, what you're hearing, what you're talking about, what you're thinking, uh, it all has an effect, you know? You know, you know I was uh, in California once, Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim and I was listening to Imam Fode Brahme, and he was talking about Surah Al-Layl, and he mentioned that when Allah Ta'ala says, Bakhila wastaghna, Bakhila wastaghna, Bakhila means to be stingy, wastaghna, to deem yourself self-sufficient. He said, you see, these two qualities always go together. And mm. I had recited this verse of the Quran so many times, and I never thought about the relationship between stinginess and the belief in one's uh, self-sufficiency. But and when I, when I, I was like, the Quran is from Allah. Oh, that, that only a person that thinks what? I made it myself. Nobody helped me would feel justified in being stingy to other people. Mm. Nobody helped me. Why do you want me to help you? Bakhila wastaghna. You see, only a person that feels like, I got, I got it on my own. You want me to help you? So it, 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 the, a belief in self-sufficiency justifies stinginess. You see, that's, that's, what it, that's its real function. <laughs> what, you, what you want me to give you something? Nobody gave me anything. It's like, the old man is rich. <laughs> oh, you talk, yeah, that's my daddy, though. Man. I'm talking about nobody else gave me anything. <laughs> like, come on, man. What, are we, what, are, what, are, what are we talking about here, man? Right? Um, and, and, and something else, when it comes to people that we, we, we think are toxic, it really depends on where we are in our development. You know, if we feel that we will be impacted by their toxicity, then we need, some, we need some distance, right? On the other hand, if we think we can help to detoxify them, then we should, man. I was reading a hadith in the Shema'il of Imam Al-Tirmidhi uh, yesterday um, when I was teaching uh, the Shema'il. And Amr ibn al-As narrated a hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said to, كَانَ الرَّسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى يَقْبِلُ عَلَىٰ أَشَرِّ النَّاسِ بِوَجْهِهِ وَبِحَدِيثِهِ that the people that people thought of as the worst of people, 
the prophet would, 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 would extend toward them with his gaze and his conversation. Hmm. Seeking to soften them with that. So people that were being toxic, the prophet was very intentional in smiling at them, checking in with them, talking to them in order to soften them with that. Now, not everybody is at that level. Some of us are like, yo, I, if, if I get around, it's gonna, it's gonna impact me. But the reason I mention that is that even those people are not people we throw away. Somebody has to have the spiritual standing that, no, no, those people, I go, I talk to them. You know, I invite them to pray with me. I try to give them a good word when I see them. Hey brother, man, how you been, man? You know, yeah, he, he holding the beer behind his back, man. Thing been cool, man. You stay away, You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, you pop up in the most unexpected places. You know what I'm saying? But well, you never know when you might see me, yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I'm gonna get out of here, man. <laughs> give my best to your family. Whenever, whenever, whenever you're ready, give me a call, man. We go to the next year, get a bite to eat. Let me know. Who know? Now, if I had said, "Oh, they're gonna want the toxic brothers, man." Mm. Just, just, I'm just gonna keep my distance. Mm. Now, and I might now, if I was say a recovering alcoholic, that might be best for me. I'm just gonna keep my distance. Man. I don't even wanna get close to something like that. But even those people need people who can engage them. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, we're not a community that throws anybody away. <laughs> you know, the thing, I, I, I feel compelled to jump in. For me, uh, yeah, at this point, been coming a lot recently, but uh, I think we can never lose sight what you may represent for another person. Uh, when I say that, mm -hmm. I'm specifically thinking about um, like good or light or righteousness, you know. Um, so some of the work I do uh, is with, you know, it's with a lot of people that maybe uh, haven't taken Shahada, some who have. But uh, a lot of people come home from prison and, and uh, uh, younger people who are trying to just make better decisions and, you know, find themselves in better circumstances. And I remember uh, this was years ago, but uh, one of the young men called me. And uh, I didn't necessarily have an opportunity to connect him to, but we had a real relationship. So he, maybe he was just checking in. And it was once I saw his call and I don't know if time was short or just my own mood was, didn't feel like talking to him, but I had to consider his calling me may be him trying to do something better. Yeah. You know, like you may not have a lot of outlets or readily be able to identify or connect to trying to do better in life or connect yeah. to something better. So I said, should that be ignored? Cause I don't feel like answering this phone call. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you can never lose sight of what you may represent and really what we're supposed to represent as, you know, uh, followers of the prophet. So it's something, you know, and enjoying the right and forbidden wrong. But uh, so I, I appreciate you adding that to it because to the sister's question, these people that are uh, toxic, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, one of the brothers in the program had a birthday party some years ago. And uh, I went, I, I went, I was going to take my son because it's supposed to be at the bowling alley. And then it wasn't, 
Uh, it was at somebody's yeah, at house. Some point, somebody hopped out of a pastry. You know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I didn't take Issa. But you know, it was there's a lot of smoking and drinking. You know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't indulge in any of it. Um, I'd have been in a situation like that. I'm going to <laughs> I mean, but that's how it be sometimes, you know. But it it meant a lot for him that I came, and he yeah. ended up taking Shahada, and you know. Yeah. Uh, what whatever people still got their struggles, but we're supposed to represent <laughs> something better, yeah. and supposed to represent righteousness. And we have our own struggles, and may Allah turn our hearts towards Him and purify all of uh, the impurities that that we have. Yeah. But you're supposed to represent that, and uh, consider the fact that you probably already do, and that you may do for some people, and you have to carry it like that. Yeah, you know, and even since so you think about like the the attraction to uh to the opposite gender, it's like um you may be the only uh maybe Muslim or whatever it is person that, that this per this this woman may come across, should that be subject to your finding her attractive? Like should she not get no access to to, to learn about the dean or learn about something good because you don't have enough self-control? Like is it a, is it really about you? You know? Yeah, no, that's a good point, man. I, I, I was I was I was chuckling because I've been in a situation where they say, yo, come through. And you come in, they're like, yeah, man, this is this, this my spiritual teacher right here, man. <laughs> it's, it's nothing but loud. Everybody got drinks. Spiritual teacher, take a picture with us. <laughs> come on, baby. Baby. <laughs> I said, no, man. Hey, I just want to say, man, shout out to bro now. It's his birthday, man. It's a good guy, man. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> But I guess that'd be a good place for us to close out, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim al-Asr. Inna l-insara lafi khusr illa ladina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tuwasib al-haqi wa tuwasib al-sabr. Ameen, ya Rabbul Alameen. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for coming, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'leefcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.